Welcome to the Lead Management Mastermind Show, the only podcast where you'll learn about lead management best practices from the top lead management and sales marketing executives in the industry. Hear about the optimization, strategy, and techniques that have made each of our guests the best of the best in the lead management domain. Live from the headquarters of SDP Solutions, Here's your host, Scott Payne. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lead Management Masterminds podcast. It's been so long, but so happy to be back with you guys. We're going to call this season two now because it was just such a long break in between our last episode recorded uh, with Dale Vermillion. So happy to be back in 2021 and excited to have with me for our first guest today, Jim Deitch. How you doing, Jim? Not doing uh, really well. Great to hear your voice again. Yeah, good to talk to you again. Uh, you know, we did a lot of fun things in 2020 together. I'm excited to share with the listeners a little bit about those things. So before we start, why don't you uh, do a quick introduction of yourself and, you know, what it is that you do there at Terra Verde? Awesome. So uh, Jim Deitch, CEO and founder of Terra Verde, I've spent 25 years as a lender both in the consumer direct as well as the retail correspondent channels, uh, started in the professional services business in 2011. And in 2015, uh, one of my colleagues, Melian Casanueva, and I developed a product called Coheus, which is really aimed at providing data intelligence and profit intelligence to users of various LOS platforms. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. You know, you have a lot of experience in the industry. Uh, you have a lot of connections as well. One thing I noticed about Terra Verde, one out of every five mortgages were originated by Terra Verde clients. Is that right? We are very fortunate to have a very, very broad client list. And about one out of five mortgages uh, in 2020 was originated by a Terra Verde client. That's amazing. Great. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. It is 2021. But let's go back to 2020 for just a moment. So obviously, we had a lot of big surprises. We had a lot of, you know, obviously the COVID and all of the impacts that had to the business out there, but let's talk about just some high level, you know, what were the biggest surprises from an origination standpoint in 2020 that you saw looking back? You know, if you talk to people in March of 2020, it was like the world was ending. Spreads and MBS got really wide, liquidity was really tight. And two months later, we're in one of the biggest origination booms in the history of, of the origination business. I was talking to Dave Stevens a couple of days ago, and he mentioned that it's just who would have guessed in 2020 we'd have some of the highest production volume, some of the greatest adoption of technology in the mortgage banking process, and some of the highest margins we've ever seen. So it has just been uh, an extraordinary year for uh, lenders, and I think it's it's going to continue for at least a little bit further into 2021. Yeah. So you know, from my standpoint, right, as working with a lot of consumer direct type lenders, how quickly that shift of there's no way we would ever let our employees work from home to, okay, I guess we got to run the business. So let's let them work from home and how, how successful everyone was, right? There was always the stigma that if I let my people work from home, there's going to be no control. There's going to be no management and oversight of what they're doing. But, you know, I think lenders really did a good job adapting very quickly and be able to move on and, and allowing their people to be successful. What, what have you seen from your side in those matters? I think that's, that's a really good observation. I'm working on my fourth book and one of the theories is that this COVID experience has really accelerated something that was happening anyway. 
And what's been accelerated is we're moving away from a you go to it economy, meaning you go out for entertainment, you go out for food, you go out and do things to an it comes to you economy. And what that means is consumers are getting very used to saying, I want it, I want it delivered now, and I want it delivered my way to my residence, business, wherever I'm at. And I think that's a huge opportunity for direct-to-consumer originators because the mold's been broken. People are going to really allow you to come into their home to be able to do both refinance and purchase business. I think it's a huge opportunity for DTC. No doubt. And, you know, uh, one of the predictions I had made probably a weekend on, on another podcast was that people were going to become more, more familiar with technology than maybe, let's say, May or June. A good example, my grandmother, technology-wise, not very savvy. However, when it came time to, you know, to start doing Zoom meetings or Zoom calls with family, could be, uh, you know, aunts and uncles, same thing, just have never really embraced that. We've, we've accelerated that now to where kind of forced people to, to really move forward to that. And where I saw it with direct-to-consumer, saw a lot of loan officers starting to embrace that technology and the video part of it and bringing that face-to-face, coming into the home with the customer from a direct consumer side where they're doing a Zoom meeting, let's say, to review the numbers. Now I have a husband and a wife, I'm looking at them face to face and walking them through the numbers as I share my screen. Fascinating technology, you know, and utilizing that that normally would have been reserved for that local retail type of person who's going to invite them into the office or meet them at the coffee shop. Now they're able to do it from across the country through a, through a meeting like this. So just fascinating mm-hmm. to me how that's advanced. Um, of course, you predicted 2020, right? Like you were saying back in 2019, 2020 was going to be exactly right, like that, right? Just say no. yes, because, <laughs> you know, we get our crystal ball back out here, right? So we're going to, let's predict 2021 now. So knowing everything we've learned in 2020, uh, knowing kind of where things are already starting to tick up and, and change a little bit, even into the new year, if you had to guess what 2021 is going to look like, what does that look like maybe at the end of 2021? If we were to, to go to the end of 21, I think a couple of trends will continue and a couple of new trends have started. The things that are going to continue, there's very little evidence that the Fed or the current administration wants to do anything to cause an increase in mortgage rates because real estate powers about one in five jobs throughout the United States. That's been a historical trend and I think it will continue. So uh, probably an extended period of relatively low rates. The opportunities and some of the things are going to happen is that more and more people, particularly first-time homeowners and trade-up homeowners, are looking at the combination of some of the changes coming out of COVID to become more decentralized, to work at home. As I talk to builders, they're thinking about putting a lot more space in homes for telecommuting. And in fact, his and hers telecommuting offices. Interesting. So you're going to see, I think, a continued trend in the purchase business and a continued trend to have that purchase business maybe not be in locations that we would have expected before because of decentralization. Yeah. The other thing that we're going to see is housing price appreciation is pretty torrid. It's happening at a pretty good pace, and it's beginning to happen in almost all areas of the country. So how you balance about getting a home and making it affordable and helping the consumer to be able to essentially put that purchase offer and close it very quickly is important. So the opportunity for speed to commitment and speed to close is, I think, going to be one of the trends that will differentiate lenders who are doing well versus those lenders who are doing just spectacularly. Yeah. 
So you're saying we have to have fast turn times as well? We can't just focus on the lead management side? We need to focus on the pipelines and all of that too? I think, uh, well, you, you know, the, the, the consumer is a very fickle person. People understand everybody's trying to get through the refi door and consumers were willing to put up with delays and perhaps some things that took some time between now and then. But if the market shifts and you want to buy a home that you see listed now, and it's not going to be there 24 hours from now, the ability to get an answer, to be able to get a commitment, and the ability to get funded on time becomes more and more important. And I think that will be a defining characteristic of those lenders who do really, really well in 21 and build that purchase business versus those who don't. Great points. And, and what I would add to it as well is that, and I was kind of joking around the lead management to you know, closing side, but kind of, kind of not because... What I'm finding my most successful clients are doing is that they're thinking no longer do they think about how do I just call a lead fast? How do I get them on the phone? How do I get an application? That's typically the mindset that's been for years about lead management, so to speak. So the lenders who are successful are the ones who are now taking those same strategies and putting them in place for other things further down the funnel. So for example, if you have app, you know, loan officers who are taking a lot of applications what tools, what, uh, what are they using to actually drive those applications into the converted loans into processing, right? They need to call the lead a lot. They need to, you know, or call the customer, get them on board. They need to have an email strategy and that SMS strategy for these customers that are no longer just a lead, but now kind of in that pipeline. And if you can start to chip away 30 minutes here, five hours here, two days here, et cetera, on down the line before, you know, we're, we're shrinking that, that, uh, time to close and hitting our turn times and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, let's, let's hope that uh, we continue to to make those strides in 2021 and 2022 is even you know much better than uh, looking back uh, the way we're looking back right now in 2020. All of that said, in your opinion, what are some of the things you're strategizing with your your customers about today? About like what do they need to be doing now to be able to hit that those types of goals at the end of 2021? That's a great question, Scott. And part of the need for lenders is to look ahead to what happens when the refinance uh, business tends to fall away and the competition starts on the purchase business. Clearly, the ability for direct originators to be able to deal with a purchase client is a little bit different than dealing with the refinance line. The purchase client is going to want a home. They have a number of other factors coming at them. And the ability to serve that client, keep them posted, keep the process moving is going to be really, really important. And I think what's going to happen is the purchase business will overtake the refinance business in the last half of 2021. And that will put a lot of competition on the street, so to speak, or into the airwaves or on the phone that doesn't currently exist. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you mentioned about first-time homebuyers. What do you see on your side? I have a couple of opinions I'll, I'll go after, but what do you see lenders need to be doing with a first-time homebuyer from a, you know, a hand-holding perspective, if you will. I've read a little bit about a potential tax credit that's going to maybe increase those, those first-time homebuyers even more. What are things lenders need to be doing as it relates to, you know, to that part of it, to the hand-holding, if you will, of a first-time homebuyer? What does that look like? Yeah, the first-time homebuyer, I, I think, is a unique consumer to deal with because they're trying to buy a home. They haven't gone through the process. So you have the scariness of, I'm going to make an offer. Will it be accepted? Can I get a loan? And most first-time home buyers, I think, know they can get a home, but the process remains murky. And 
in, in having two uh, millennials uh, as my kids, watching them go through the home buying process kind of illustrated to me that there is a lot of questions and a lot of things where they wake up at, at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night and, and call and say, hey, how do I handle this? How do I handle that? So the accessibility of an originator to be able to answer those questions and to realize the amount of time in relationship building, the amount of time in kind of talking a home buyer through what they're going to experience is really important. And if you're not there and you can't help them kind of get that emotional commitment to I'm in this with you too, yep. and realize it's a different borrower than a refi because the refi, it's an economic transaction. The yeah. home buying experience, it is an emotional transaction and that emotion has to be managed. Yeah, totally agree. And one of the things too that uh, Ellie May and Velocify or ICE Mortgage Technology, you know, they've done a lot of studies over the years about what is the ultimate contact strategy, right? And one of the things that's in their newest release, I'm actually interviewing Hector Galicia here next. And you know, one of the things that really stood out to me in that, in that new study talks about the differences you need to have in your millennial customers versus the older generation and what they expect. And so one of the, one of the findings was someone who's a little older potentially is going to prefer more phone calls than they are going to adapt to the SMS stuff that makes common sense. Millennials are going to be more on mobile and, and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so how lenders are going to now use this data to then you know, create a custom kind of a, a, a specialized solution for the different type of customer that may be there. Uh, one of the things I'm working on is a purchase preparedness plan, essentially for lenders that they can start now. You mentioned, you know, into this 2021, you think it'd be more purchase. Lenders, consumer direct lenders in, in particular, cannot wait until June to start figuring this stuff out. You need to be doing it now. You need to be focusing on on building these kind of stepping stones or stepping blocks to get to that point where you're ready to rock and roll as the market potentially shifts over there. So my clients uh, have heard from me already. If there's others out there who are interested in learning more about what that actually looks like, it's a whole process flow inside of Lossify or other CRMs that allows them to really focus on the right calls, the right contacts. For millennials, it's a lot of education, you know, drip marketing, education, like, hey, you're probably thinking about this right now. So week, you know, week after you made your first offer, you're probably thinking you probably have concerns of this and you start laying those out for people and they're going to feel more comfortable working with you. So anyways, thanks for the insights there. That said, you know, one of the things that you and I have been working on quite a bit is about reporting, you know, reporting for lenders today. Um, and I see it all of the time. I still see lenders who are, you know, taking data out of a, out of a system and compass or a Velocify and they're pulling data out and they're putting it into an Excel for, you know, format, running pivot tables, uh, sending updates out via email, very clunky, very outdated. I want you to tell everyone a little bit about Coheus because Coheus uh, has been a longstanding, you know, reporting solution you guys have, but you and I have worked together to really start pulling in that Velocify data. So tell everyone a little bit about Coheus maybe to start and then kind of what we've done from the Velocify standpoint. Awesome. So Scott, thank you so much. The whole origination process from top of funnel through the ultimate approval of that loan and servicing of that loan generates just a huge amount of data. And that data, you're swimming in just oceans and oceans of data, and it's really hard to make the transformation from data and spreadsheets to information, which can be organized on spreadsheets to intelligence. And I think one of the differentiators that's going to really come into place in 2021 and beyond is the ability to make that leap from just information on spreadsheets that is static 
and really looks at two dimensions, the X, Y, to intelligence, which looks at the entire sphere of data for things that can be pulled out as trends or as significant pieces of information. So for instance, when you look at lead source and start at the top of Velocify and work all the way down to application, what's really important is then what happens after that application is in the system. Mm-hmm. And on purchase business, it's really important to be able to track that consumer the whole way through to commitment and ultimately to close. And ultimately, if you want, even in through the servicing process. So Cohesus has the ability to grab vast amounts of data, filter it, and bring it into intelligence so you can look at the attributes of who's most successful in your uh, call center at converting leads that are purchased, who is most successful at particular cohorts of borrowers, whether it's demographic, income, geography, all the way through the processing side to say, who can get the most done and the most loans approved? Which underwriter is most efficient? And if you look at that really top to bottom, I think that's going to be a differentiator of lenders who just excel at being able to mine that data for intelligence to really help consumers and close loans. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, again, the people we see living in that Excel world, right? You nailed it with the intelligence side of it. It's, it's making decisions based on the data that you can trust is real time. A lot of times work with the executives and they're like, well, this is the report. It was pulled for me two days ago. But what if something's changed? It, it adds this layer of kind of distrust of, well, what if something's changed over the last two days? What if something's changed in the last couple of hours? I need to make a real-time decision based on real-time data. Can you talk about maybe a couple of experience you've had with executives throughout the years where, you know, a decision needed to be made on something and, and there was some distrust, but the Cohesus helped kind of solve that? Yeah, a couple of items come up, Scott. One would be where we were looking at the profitability of loans coming off of a spreadsheet, and we did the same thing in Cohius, and we found out there's a difference between the spreadsheet and what we're reporting in Cohius. And it turns out the spreadsheet had some mapping errors that had been in place for a long period of time, so the data wasn't really visible. You had you had information, but the intelligence of is that really the profitability numbers or is it not? kind of eluded things. Um, The other was on an underwriting decision where we looked at approval rates and and ultimately early payment defaults and were able to detect some characteristics of early payment defaults that weren't initially obvious just looking at spreadsheets. So those are two quick examples. No, that's great. And, you know, I think um, one thing that, uh, that I have lenders most excited about with this solution is the ability to start ranking their salespeople. A lot of times, you know, a lot, there's a lot of manual type of reports that need to be run to try to figure out who are, who's, who's the best people right now. You might think your LO, one LO is the best LO in the world because he's been there forever and he's always been closest to most loans. But what you may not know is that he actually is in the bottom half of conversion rates. And so you're having to feed him more and more, him and her more and more leads over time to get the, the, the results. And so I've, I've seen that as an increase where uh, an executive is able to see like, maybe they're not my top, right? Or maybe the, you know, the, the price per loan and price per marketing dollar I've got to spend on this person to become the top producer. There's a lot better ways to do it. So one of the ways we use it in lead management now is I have a lot of lenders who are now shifting the way they distribute leads based on real-time data like this from a conversion rate standpoint. So gone are the days of running reports for three days at the end of the month to figure out who are the kind of rankings of LOs. They now have it in real time. And most importantly, I think the loan officers can now see where they stack rank and they're always visible. Where do I rank is in these certain rankings every, you know, throughout the month. 
So if I see that I'm down the bottom, you know, I'm going to maybe, you know, do something a little different to try to get that conversion rate back up. Mm-hmm. And so it drives that internally there, especially in the consumer direct world, especially now that everyone's kind of decentralized, right? And they're kind of spread out. The days of, you know, just kind of getting a feel for who's doing well, who's not, maybe you're gone where I can look over and hear my buddy selling all day long. Uh, I may not know that. So now this leaderboard and or call it a leaderboard, call it a ranking, I think is really powerful when you start to layer in the Velocify side, but you're able to then tie it to Encompass, to real data. You know, a lot of times people are working on a sync, waiting for data update back. You know, the solution we've we've talked about and built is is allows for real-time data from not just Velocify, but also the Encompass stuff and where mm-hmm. they're at updated in real time. So I think it's super powerful and excited to, to show people that. Where, where can people learn more about, about that solution? You can uh, visit our website, uh, com, or would love to talk to you personally. I'm always available and uh, my contact information, Scott, you have it. So please, please share it. Awesome. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us today. Um, anything you want to th- say to the rest of the listeners out there? Uh, lead management, any advice going into the new year? The piece of advice uh, that, that I would just throw out is purchase preparedness is really, really important. And the ability to have a strategy to deal with the tug that a realtor will have on a purchaser, to deal with the ability to keep consumers comfortable and the ability to deal with that uncertainty and a high level of emotion on purchase is really, really important. So Scott, I think you're doing a great job with purchase preparedness really should be looked at by all lenders because you cannot decide to do it once the market changes. You have to prepare for it. Awesome. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, encourage people to, to check out TerraVerde.com, learn more about the Coheus platform and all of the great things you can do from a Velocify lead management perspective all the way down to your funded loan. Check it out. Let us know if you're interested and have a great day. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Lead Management Masterminds podcast. Today's episode is presented by SDP Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things lead management strategy and optimization. Please visit us at www.sdp-solutions.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast site.